All right, Lenny Kraselberg, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. I'm awesome. excited for our uh, conversation today. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. So, so tell me, uh, let's, let's get started with uh, the ISL itself. You know, we had uh, the inaugural first year of the uh, International Swim League, and um, you were one of the general managers of, of one of the teams, the LA Current, which I was very thankful to be part of. Uh, what were your impressions of the first year? You know, I I really had an incredible time. Uh, for me personally, once I retired in 2005, um, I kind of drifted away from the sport uh, for a number of years. I obviously kept an eye on it, but was not intimately involved. And just being 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 able to be back in the sport and being able to be around greatness uh it was it was incredible for me it was very refreshing for me again to be at, at this level and also to to see our athletes our stars to have an opportunity to take part in something so unique so new so different um it just just to watch their excitement and energy and passion uh, it, it, i was just honored to be part of something so great yeah, it was it was a super cool event. Um, Why did you decide to get into it in the first place? You know, I've uh, I've always been a uh, I guess you can say a student of the sport. I've always appreciated uh, you know people uh, swimmers that came before me and uh, had a tremendous honor and privilege to carry on a tradition, and obviously. You know, great swimmers, athletes that came along prior to me, you know, paved the way and provided opportunities and led by example that I try to capitalize on and um, use it in my career. And I just felt it was right for me to be uh, part of this revolution and to to uh, be involved and help our current generation and our future generations uh, of swimmers to 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 be involved and to really um, showcase themselves and and uh, provide opportunities for them to you know to really live the dream and have an opportunity to really live it and be able to financially uh, create uh, you know chances for them to to really call this a profession to call this a career. And uh, I, I wanted to be part of this and I wanted to, to be part of this change. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why people love you so much is because you have those pure intentions, you know, it's, you're not in this to make millions of dollars and you're not in this for selfish reasons too. Like your answer just told me that you're in it because you want to progress the sport itself. You want to help, the next generation become bigger and better than, than you ever became and, and do things um, that are pretty, that have never been done before. So uh, I, that's why I love you. I mean, I, I never really knew you um, as deeply as I have this past year, obviously working with you. And um, it's no wonder for me why people just love being around you, you know, you're a, you're a special man and, uh, and I've really enjoyed working with you myself. I just wanted you to know that. Um, Thank you, brother. I sincerely appreciate that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you've got your own swim schools, uh, right? Yes, yes. Something are, that I've done for the past 15 years now. What are they called and where, where are they located? So it's called Swim Ride Academy, uh, championed by Lenny Kraselberg. Um, obviously it's my, it's my vision. It's, it's what I started right after I retired in, after the Athens games in 04. Mm. Uh, our main, uh, locations are in Los Angeles. We have three locations right now in LA. Uh, and then we also license out our program to various Jewish community centers around the country. Uh, we currently have five other partners around the United States. Uh, that use our model. Uh, we've developed our own teaching curriculum. Um, and uh, you know, our primary focus is on water safety. So our demographic is between ages of one and 10. Mm. Um, but uh, we were very thorough in putting together our curriculum. And, uh, you know, it really covers from infants all the way to really developing uh, all four swimming strokes by focusing on technique and, and drills and really fundamentals. Uh, Cause I've always been a big uh, advocate and believer that it all starts with fundamentals. And mm. if you have those uh, down path, you know, everything else will take care of itself. If you're willing then just to work hard and persevere and believe in yourself. Yeah, that's awesome, man, that you're giving those kids opportunities like that. I think it's so vital that I, I think everybody should learn to swim, to be quite honest. You know, we have that kind of mentality in Australia growing up that we're surrounded by water and it's so easy to to get into accidents with water. And, um, you know, I, I think it's great that we have initiatives and programs like your, yours and uh, where, where kids can get in and learn to swim and then the love for the sport can progress from there. But I think just learning how to survive in the water is such a vital uh, aspect of, of life, right? Absolutely. And uh, and that's our mission is, you know, to really teach that uh, the, the water safety and the survival aspect. And, and then it opens up a whole new world. And if kids choose to take it serious, they will. And if they want to enjoy being on the beach or going on vacation with parents and hanging around pools. They, you know, we want them to have the confidence and believe their water safe and, and enjoy to, to the fullest. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're, we're sitting at a bar one night a few months back and uh, just having um, some dinner and, and just enjoying each other's company with a few other people. And, and you got into the story of, how you um, left the Soviet Union with your parents at a young age and, and ended up in America. And um, it was just such an interesting story. And I didn't know that aspect of you. Do you think you'd mind sharing that with, with us today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I grew up in uh, Odessa, Ukraine. Um, started to swim when I was five years old. Um, when I was nine, fourth grade my uh i was selected in a special group um of swimmers that the russian sports system thought had potential to be great and uh, went into a few years of pretty intense uh regiment of you know training five hours a day and school in between the training sessions so it's pretty intense um until my you know my parents decided 
we wanted to immigrate to the United States for a better life, more opportunities to avoid anti-Semitism that we were facing in the Soviet Union. Mm. And uh, we came to L.A. and it was uh, early, late 80s, early 90s. And it was definitely pretty challenging coming to a new country, new culture. I really didn't speak any English at all. Um, obviously my, you know, my parents, their focus was to support the family. So I learned the language a little bit. So they, their focus was on getting jobs and getting acclimated. And for me, it was all about, you know, continuing to pursue swimming. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I really love the sport, but I also realized at young age that, uh, you know, I had to take that responsibility in my own hands because my parents just couldn't help me because we were immigrants in a new country. And as an immigrant uh, coming into a new country, you literally appreciate every single opportunity that you have. You mm -hmm. don't take things for granted and, and, and you truly, and you don't look for excuses. You know, the reason why we came here is for better life and better opportunities. And, Better life and better opportunities only happen when you're willing to, you know, work hard and, and believe and, and uh, appreciate everything that you have around yourself. And, uh, you know, I thought that uh, that that coming here and having go through these challenges were really instrumental in, you know, later on in my in my life and in my athletic career when I was uh, trying to ace hunt to become the best in the world in swimming is that I've always uh, appreciated opportunities and never took anything for granted and was always tremendously, you know, privileged and honored that I had physical abilities uh, to, to be great, but I was always willing to work hard and was never, there was never any excuses. It was just, it, I always, I, I live by a motto, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm. And, um, you know, I've always applied that. And I learned that through all the perseverances and, and challenges that I've encountered, uh, especially in the first few years in the United States. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you, incredible. I mean, it, it wasn't as easy as just my parents made a decision to change countries. I mean, there was obviously with within that period of time, there was some struggle there, right? But, you know, the decision to leave and then eventually getting here, what was the in-between there? Yeah, it was, you know, we, we went at first, we left Soviet Union and we went to Austria uh, for a couple of weeks. And then in Austria, we waited. Uh, it was a process that as an immigrant, you had to go, we went to Austria and then you had to wait in Austria until you get a permission to go to Italy. And then in Italy, we spent a few months there uh, waiting for a um, interview with the U.S. Embassy uh, so we can be granted political asylum in the United States. And uh, while, you know, while we're in Italy, you know, we really don't have lots of means of... <laughs> you know, earning income. So I remember the, that uh, my parents were told by previous immigrants that, you know, you should bring certain good goods from Soviet Union if you can bring them with you and kind of try to sell them at flea markets in Rome to earn some extra money. 
Um, so that kind of helped you to survive while you're waiting uh, in Italy for the permission to come to the United States. Wow. So remember my parents, you know, selling uh, big uh, uh, photo cameras uh, at a flea market in, in, in Rome on the weekends. Wow. Uh, but that, but that's, that's what it took to survive. And, you know, you learn from your parents, um, you know, you, you, they set example and you learn from, from them that you got to do what you got to do to survive. And mm. I applied that in my life. Are your parents still alive today? Uh, my mom, my mom is, my dad passed away, unfortunately, five years ago. Okay. That must've been tough, tough time. It was pretty tough. It was, uh, my dad was my biggest, uh, my biggest supporter. Um, he was a huge sports fan and, you know, his definitely his proudest moment was me winning Olympic gold medals. And, you know, I never saw him get emotional prior to, to that moment. But after that, I know that was great pride for him. Um, you know, immigrant coming in coming into a new country in the late 40s as my dad was you know you you are especially with limited english you li there there aren't that many opportunities um but you know as a parent once you have kids you make those sacrifices for the better of your kids mm. and uh for him to you know to know that you know he brought his family here to the united states because he wanted to see his children succeed and then having me reach the pinnacle of sports, mm. uh, it was incredibly gratifying for him to know that all those sacrifices were, were certainly worth it. Yeah, I bet, man. What a proud moment for you. <laughs> yeah. For, for an immigrant father, you know. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so you, uh, you have this talent. Obviously, you have a physical talent. And then you have this immigrant mentality. You come to America, you start, you, you know, continue to pursue your swimming. How do you end up at USC? So it was interesting. Uh, the first couple of years in America, I was, uh, yeah, I was a pretty average swimmer. I, unfortunately, based on circumstances of where we live, where we settled in, living in America, uh, living in LA, uh, we didn't really have uh, resources to, to train at a really good uh, age group swim program so I was uh, just swimming at a small swim team at the, at the west side Jewish community center and in high school my high school didn't have a swim team so I um, you know there weren't that many people that knew who I was because I just wasn't good enough and uh, mm. even in I made junior nationals twice uh, when I was like 16 and thing my best place was like 17th I never made it to the finals <laughs> and uh, you know obviously that's not fast enough to get a, catch an eye of any college program so I end up going into a going to a community college in LA and just you know in the community college you don't need to make the swim team you just you just you just show up to practices and you swim <laughs> And, uh, you know, I started to swim in the community college team and uh, I started to get better. And just just to take a step back, I mean, I was also during my high school years, I was also working a lot. I was, you know, trying to swim once a day, but I was also working about 30 hours a week. 
just because I needed to, you know, help my parents to, to support the family. What were you doing? What kind of work? Um, I was more working like in the rec department in the park. I mm. was, uh, it wasn't a, a strenuous work, uh, but I was just doing different, uh, you know, kids programs, activities in the park, or mm. I was just, uh, you know, like, uh, open rooms if there were rentals in, in, mm. the, in the rec department. So it wasn't very strenuous, but nonetheless, you know, it's, uh, you know, you left uh, left home early in the morning at like seven o'clock and didn't get back until like 10 at night. So it was long days. Wow. Uh, but obviously didn't have an opportunity to do the training you need, as we know you need in those uh, high school years, right? Um, if you wanted to be a, a collegiate swimmer. So when I started to swim in the community college, I, I shifted the focus a little bit and actually finally had an opportunity to train twice a day. And I started to get better. Um, and uh, by my end of my freshman year, I ended up uh, winning the college state, the community college state meet uh, in 200 and 200 backstroke and ended up breaking a community college national record which at that time was 147.9, 200 yards backstroke. And, um, wow, you were a community college state champion, man. That's pretty cool. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah. That's where it started, uh, man. There it is. Uh, that's how it is. It, it has to start somewhere, right? That's man? it. That's it. Started there. Wow. And then my, co- my community college coach uh, called uh, Mark Schubert at USC and Mark Schubert was coaching USC at that time and told him, you know, I got this kid, uh, that's pretty talented, but raw doesn't, doesn't have much experience training nor, you know, competing. Yeah. And, and Mark told him, uh, you know what, you know, in the summertime, there's no NC, NC2A restrictions. Uh, he's welcome to give it a try and train with a Trojan swim club. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, I love the opportunity and I remember first time I came into it, uh, to a Trojan swim club practice in the summer. And I was just in awe of, uh, just the caliber of athletes that were there at that time. And, you know, Janet Evans was there, um, Greg Bur- Burgess, I don't know if many followers mm. know, but Greg was, a, if I'm not mistaken, gold medalist to one and I am, uh, at a world champs in 91. Mm. I mean, you got world club, right? Bridgewater by that time was already there, just world-class swimmers. And here I am. And it was very interesting that the first month or so, I definitely rubbed a lot of these guys the wrong way because I was so honored to be part of it. I was so excited that right from warm-up i was just going all out (laughs) (laughs) and you know how our culture is everyone especially some new guy coming in here no one knows about it he's racing in warm-ups you know you're rubbing people the wrong way but i didn't know i didn't know any better and but i also i just was so appreciative of the opportunity and um and I'm, I've always been a big confidence swimmer and I wanted to try to keep up with these guys and be like these guys. Mm. And I, I remember I went to Santa Clara invite uh, that summer, maybe after training with Trojan for a month. 
and I swam pretty well, um, uh, 200 backstroke. I might have made the finals and uh, was pretty close to Jeff Rouse. Rouse and, and, you know, Jeff was obviously, you know, 92 Olympic silver medalist. And, yeah. and I was just like, you know what? I, I belong. You know, I, 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 I don't, I haven't really trained a lot. I, I haven't had these opportunities, but yet I can compete with the world-class swimmers. Started to really build, you know, that confidence in me. And then by the end of the summer, Mark Schubert, uh, pulls me into his office and tells me, Lenny, I want to offer you a full ride to USC. I wow. really believe, I really believe you can be the best backstroker in the world. Mm. And I mean, and really it was just from him watching me train and, yeah. and race. But, you know, I guess, like I said, I've always taken great pride in, in training and opportunities and maximizing my talent. And I was never afraid of, challenges and pain um and uh, i think mark you know mark being the old school coach really appreciated that uh, you know and uh, really appreciated that he didn't have to worry about me uh giving an honest effort every single time were you and, uh, were you just were you just sitting in the office with him when you said this or were your parents yeah. or was just you and him no right? it was just me and him he told me that and and uh, Don Wagner, who was assistant coach at that time uh, at USC, also, you know, kept telling me um, during summertime, Lenny, you're, you're, you're special. You, you can be one of the best in the world. You got to keep it up. So, you know, and then having sitting there with Mark and Mark telling me, and, you know, at that time I, I knew more about Mark and thinking, you know, Mark has coached so many Olympic champions and so many great swimmers and NC2A champions. And here I am sitting in front of him and he's telling me I can be the best in the world. You know, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was mm. a, a dream. Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I, I agreed to it and told Mark, of course, this would be a, a tremendous honor and a, and a dream come true. Um, uh, for me personally, but also, you know, for my family as well, Yeah. again, the fact that I could get a full scholarship to a great university like this and, uh, get my education paid for. And, um, it was just, uh, really special. So how'd your parents react to the news? Uh, well, my parents were ecstatic. Uh, they were, they were obviously couldn't believe it as well. I had to really kind of go deeper into into explanation what it means a full scholarship mm. uh because again you you know you're so you don't you're still learning that culture and mm. you know my parents are so focused on kind of making ends meet every single day uh that uh you know a, a thought of going to a university like this and spending you know as, as expensive as it was I, I, until I kind of put it in the lane terms of financially, what type of incredible benefit this is, uh, they didn't really understand it. But certainly once those conversations took place and I told them how, how incredible this opportunity is, it really, you know, it made them uh, humbled and emotional. The fact that, you know, I could get that. Yeah. Wow. So you go into USC as a sophomore or did you go in as a freshman so i ended up going to usc as a sophomore okay. i i had to wait still because of the 
uh, transfer eligibility, I had to wait another year until I get had enough units to yeah. uh, to transfer to USC. Um, but I ended up having uh, yeah swimming uh, three years. Uh, but it was also interesting because um, you know after that uh, summer when Mark offered me a full ride, I knew I couldn't tra- I couldn't you know obviously join USC for another year. But I, what I would do is I would come in for morning practices and uh, the, the college team would swim, you know, in one pool mm. and Mark would give me a, and I would swim by myself uh, in another pool. Uh, I work out. He would give me and I would just swim it by myself. Sometimes I had a friend that would come and join me, uh, mm. but I could just, you know, I would just do that. Wow. You did that for a whole year. I did that. I did that for a whole year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, yeah. I, I hope every, every swimmer out there can hear this right now. <laughs> you know, that is, uh, that's so powerful, you know, that you would have that, that mindset that would just be so focused and locked in on getting and accomplishing the goal of whatever, whatever it took to be the best, you know, it's incredible. So, so then you swim three years at USC. What, what years were you there swimming, competing for USC? So I ended up uh, swimming 96, 96, um, 97, and 98. Uh, 96 was I actually started in uh, eligibility-wise in, in January of 96. Mm. And uh, ended up, you know, swimming NC2As in 96. And unfortunately got really sick uh, as soon as we got to Austin for NCs. Ended up getting dead last. I think in both 100 and 200 backstroke. Oh, wow. uh, so it's definitely a disappointing um, NCs for me. Uh, in 97, I, I came back. Uh, um, I had a great year um, and then ended up uh, winning the 200 backstroke. Uh, got second to Neil Walker in 100 backstroke. Um, and then um, 98 um, NCs. Uh, at Auburn second. University. At Auburn University, yep. Got uh that's right. Got I was there. Got yeah, I remember that very well. <laughs> you were the man then. That's it. That's friend. I don't you were the man. We were always in awe of your sprint talents. Well, thankfully we didn't swim the same events, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, and then ninety eight, so I got uh two second in both hundred and two hundred. Oh, awesome. But I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, obviously enjoyed the college experience and being part of the team. And, uh, yeah, it was something I, I reflect back on that quite often these days, you know, when, when you're so, so far removed from it. But there was something unique and special being part of that culture uh, that, um, you know, you, you, we, we all tend to not fully appreciate when we're in it. It's only where, when you no longer have that, you start reflecting back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do that from time to time too, but um, that's kind of why I wanted to do this is because I think there are just some really special people with really special stories to tell. And um, I've just got to, got to get these out, you know? And so I'm, I'm really glad you're on the show today. So, so going into the, the 2000 Olympics, you're you're kind of the you're, you're coming into your own right you're starting to be the, the man on the international scene is that right 
Absolutely. I mean, really, it's out, it was after 96 that uh, I started to really come on. I came on, basically. In 96, uh, uh, Olympic trials, I, I ended up uh, not making the team. And then by the summer of 96, uh, I won both the 100 and 200 backstroke at the U.S. Nationals. Um, and then that's when really I, I, you know, that confidence and, and real belief that I belong. And, and then another really, really great moment that happened. Um, I was sitting at home watching Brett Bridgewater, who was my training partner at USC mm. uh, for a couple of years, uh, win the gold medal in 200 backstroke in, in, Ath- in Atlanta. Mm. And I remember Mark Schubert called me from the stands in Atlanta and said, Lenny, in four years, that will be you. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, Mark has always, I mean, Mark was a believer from day one and he continued to vocalize that, um, how much he believed in me and how much talent I had. And, uh, really after winning 96, um, 96 Olympic uh, U.S. Nationals, I just kept getting better and better, and I the confidence kept rising. And with confidence, you know, the 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 work kept increasing, and I continued to push myself. And really, I I think I might have only lost a uh, hundred backstroke one time at 98 Goodwill Games to Steve Taloki. And 200 backstroke to Aaron Pearsall at Janet Evans uh, right be- in 2000 before before Olympic trials. I think those might have been the only two races I lost. Wow. Um, I was really on the roll. And uh, just, you know, going 99, I broke all three world records, 1,500, 200 at Pampax in, um, in Australia. And was going into the Olympics as a, definitely a favorite to win it. Oh, so the Pampax in Australia in 99 were actually in the Olympic pool, right? They were in the Olympic pool, absolutely. It was, so, a, it was yeah. a, a good preview for me and certainly mm. preparing my, me to, you know, visualize what it would feel like uh, to come back a year, you know, forward and hopefully win, win the gold medals. But certainly that was, for me, for me, Australia has really been... <laughs> That's one one country that has that has for me personally. I've experienced most of my success. You know, I won world championships in '98 in Perth, first time, and you know, '99 Pan Packs world records. Obviously, Olympics in 2000. So Australia has been good to me. Yeah, Australia's been good to me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's your first gold medal at the Olympics? What was the first one you won? So the first one was the 100 backstroke at the Olympics, and uh, it was it was definitely special. It no doubt that's the, the the most special one for me personally. And it was it was interesting because um, you know I I was seated first going into after prelims. I was seated first going after the you know after semis, and my roommate was Tom Dolan. Uh, Tom won the 4 a.m. Uh, the night of my semifinals, mm. and um, uh, he was obviously incredibly excited. And uh, you know, Australians swam really well. Matt Welsh swam well at the Olympic trials. wasn't uh, doing swam well in preliminaries and semis. And I knew I had a really 
serious race on my hands going into the finals. And then it was so interesting that, uh, you know, the night before the finals, um, I'm thinking to myself, and that's why too many thoughts started to go into my head, you know, like I'm thinking, and I was always very regimented. I, I always had a plan into every competition I went to, no matter what, how big or how small competition it was. I, w I had a very clear plan, you know, how how long my warm-up will be, how long before my race I would jump in for warm-ups, how long I would stretch. Uh, I was very regimented that way. And, and then I'm thinking to myself, laying in bed, not being able to fall asleep. <clears throat> Tomorrow night at 7.30, I have to be great for 52 seconds. Mm. Will I ever have a chance to do that again? I don't know. And, uh, you know, the moment became really big and certainly just the thought of that, because I also started to reflect back on everything on this journey that I've had, uh, coming to the U S just, uh, about 11 years prior and then everything that I've gone through and this incredible opportunity that those of us in Olympic sports, uh, dream about. Um, and really for me, it was a reality and tomorrow night I, I can make this a real a reality of being an olympic champion um moment got big to me uh, for me for, for sure and for that next uh almost you know whatever 20 hours until my i was ready to race uh definitely had some nerves mm. uh, yeah <laughs> there's no doubt about that but you know what i've always been able to do at least what always worked for me uh, is when, when I had these moments when I would get nervous and all of us do, I mean, it's natural. Uh, uh, I always try to, uh, put myself in the company of others and have a conversation or talk about things or, or, mm. or, you know, talk with them or how they're doing. So that way I would, my mind wouldn't focus on me and my performance. Um, mm. because I was so prepared. Uh, you know, I thought about it for so long. I, I visualized it. I visualized it. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I didn't think I need to overthink my racing. Right? Mm. It was all muscle memory. It was. It was just a matter of um, just not thinking a lot about it, and that's how I approached it. And you know, obviously, you know, was able to channel my energy and my focus the right way and win that first gold medal. Mm, wow. Yeah. The the night before was always difficult for sure but I, I always found like when I woke up the next morning I, I I had this realization that I had to wait the whole day until like you said 7 30 at night to actually go and do the performances so then you have actually so much time to think and it's like what am I going to do I got to kill all this time before I've got to actually then go into my routine because once you get into your routine it's like okay great now I'm now I feel comfortable I mean I'm in go time now but those you know six to eight hours before you able to get on the bus and get into your routine is always very difficult isn't it yeah absolutely i mean yeah that's actually a perfect uh example you gave you got this whole day and you know you try to talk to some of your teammates uh some are uh open to it some are in their own zone because obviously everyone approaches uh, their race is differently and preparation is different. You're talking to, to the coaches and, but it's, it, it's a long day. And I actually, I remember pretty clearly that sitting in a cafeteria in the Olympic village and calling uh, a couple of my friends in LA 
<laughs> so I can just call and talk and just kind of let the time pass. Right. Yeah. So that I, so that my mind is just, just thinking about something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So backstroke is obviously one of those strokes where you can't really see where anybody else is. You don't really know if you're in the lead or not, but do you, I mean, during that race, during that hundred back, was there a point where you're like, I've got this, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this race. Um, I, yeah, I would have to say maybe somewhere within like the, uh, about 15 meters before the finish, I could, uh, finally, I could see myself, uh, taking a bit of a, you know, I could feel a good, a lead, uh, ahead mm. of Matt Welsh. Mm. Um, I, I knew that I could see because we were swimming next to each other. I could see leading into that, the first, you know, 80 meters or so that we were pretty tight. And mm. I was actually a bit surprised because I didn't think that Matt would be able to hang on with me, well, hang on with me. And I was a bit surprised, kind of at the turn after the fifty. And I think he might have even came up, uh, or, you know, ahead of me uh, after the turn. So mm. it, it was definitely caught me by surprise. But I was able to really um, stay true to myself and my race plan. And uh, there with about 15 meters to go, I was able to, uh, you know, kind of take that lead and I could see that I was going to, you know, touch the wall first. I mean, I, I, I could sense and feel that. Uh, but I was really trying to be smart about the race and really kind of control my race because uh, I made a mistake um, a month prior to, to that at the Olympic trials where mm. uh, in the 100 backstroke, I was swimming against Neil Walker and uh, I was so excited about, um, you know, that was a 400 backs. It was the first race to make the Olympic team. Yeah. And in the, in the, in the semifinals, I swam, uh, no cap, you know, briefs, just, just, just basic. I knew cause you know, I was fortunate enough to have pretty wide, uh, lead uh, with yeah. with all the other backstrokers outside of Neil, and uh, yeah. I was swimming about a, a second to and a half, two seconds faster than everyone else. So I was, you know, in the semifinals, I won fifty three sixty eight, which was eight ten eight hundreds off the world record. Mm. And Brad, I'm telling you, I was no cap briefs, just really smooth. It just felt incredibly easy. Yeah, right. And I was almost certain I was going to break a world record the next night. And of course, the way Neil swam, Neil would go out, go all out, and then just hang on. And I swam his race, and mm. I overswam. I overswam the first fifty, ended up swimming fifty three eighty four. So mm. that was a good lesson for me, you know, in the finals of the games, the really to swim my my race and not get too, you know, too concerned with Matt or not get flustered there when Matt was even ahead of me mm. up the turn. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> to go through that experience and then learn from it and then apply it in the biggest moment where it's so easy to overswim and, and you want it so badly. Uh, it's not a matter of not trying. It's a matter of over trying, right? Over trying. Yes, absolutely. That's what it is. It's a matter of over trying. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. So yeah, man, you gave me chills when you were talking about your, your last 15 meters, you know, that was awesome. Um, so then you touch the wall and you're Olympic champ. Like what's, what's the feeling like, man? I never experienced that. <laughs> Quite honestly, relief. Uh -huh. yeah. 
relief for me was the the, the first uh, first thing that uh, came to mind is uh, that was a lot of pressure on me. Um, I, I was uh, I obviously I put on a lot of pressure on myself, but also you know with close people around me, you know I think that I was definitely the the kind of the marquee name for the United States uh, at least on the male side in 2000 um, and uh, sponsors I, I just everything there's so much pressure I, I felt uh, but I never really I just I, I, I felt around me I don't think it ever really was affecting me in a negative way but certainly when I won the gold medal it was just like it was just a relief that I was able to uh, to to go through all of this and be able to step up and 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 win it more than anything for 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 myself with everything that I put in and obviously my family, um, yeah. That the first thing I remember is just this: no one will ever take this away from me. Oh yeah. That you know that was kind of the relief, and no one will ever take this away from me. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I I remember vividly you. You're finish and you're looking up at the scoreboard and your smile. I was standing on the side of the pool deck and obviously cheering. You know, Matt Welsh was one of my yeah. teammates uh, cheering for Matt, but then looking at your reaction and seeing your smile. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, that is the best looking man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that, Lenny, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um awesome man. You you just you just had it all. You were just um so charismatic. But yeah, I think you know the way you carried yourself too, like the way that you just walked around and um you did. You had this you had this um persona, but it, you came across as very humble as well. You know, somebody that was just so thankful and so happy. Like you couldn't not cheer for you. You know, you're one of those guys where you're like really happy that Lenny Kreselberg won, you know, like wow, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, listen, I, uh, I I always say that I I've I've respected um, my competitors. I I respect the history of the sport. I respect the coaches. I I respect people that I understood. I've seen people that work just as maybe as hard as I have, uh, mm. but I was just a little bit more talented. Yeah, you know, I could, I could do, you know, I could mentally be a little bit different when it when on the big stage, uh, but that doesn't mean that that people that I've trained in college with, or people that I've, uh, you know, trained, uh, you know, in even in age group swimming, that doesn't mean that they didn't work as hard, yeah. or my competitors, or that doesn't mean like Matt Walsh didn't train as hard, or or Josh Watson, or mm. you know, Steve Taloki. I I had it it. I respected what they went through because I knew what I went through mm. and how can you not respect people uh, where, when they're pursuing their dreams and giving their best. And uh, you know, it was very similar, like even with, with Mark, I've always approached Mark's workouts. Like you, Mark Schubert came to workouts prepared mm. and I just felt I had an obligation to give it my all because he gave his all to prepare to make me better. And uh, that just was always my mentality. And uh, I was always appreciative and respectful for everything that was around me. Wow. That's a really good soundbite, Lenny. I'm going to chop that one up and use that. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's Absolutely. a good, good lesson for everybody. Um, 
So yeah, you have this uh, amazing career. You you win. How many gold medals did you win in the end? Uh, well, in that in uh, Sydney, I won three. I won the two back, and then won the yeah. four hundred medley relay. Yeah, we broke the world record. Mm-hmm. And then in Athens, uh, I was in the relay, uh, winning a fourth one on the morning relay, winning the fourth one. Okay. Yeah. So individually, was... individually, I was fourth on a hundred. Okay. Um, in uh, in Athens. That's when Aaron Pearsall started to kind of come on pretty strong, right? <laughs> yeah, Aaron was definitely came on. I mean, Aaron was strong already in 2000 when he got silver in the 200 backstroke uh, mm. after me. But uh, yeah, Aaron really started to come on in um, those in between 2000 and 2004. And, you know, unfortunately for me, and if there's one thing I regret about my career is that, that uh, the, a run of injuries that I had between 2000 and 2004 Mm. Um, that really, you know, kind of never gave me a real opportunity to, to see how good I can continue to be. Um, but you know, in sports sometimes that's how it goes with injuries. Were they just wear and tear injuries or were they injuries from, you know? No, it was, it was just, uh, well, I had a shoulder injury first, uh, uh, in 2000 it was actually cool as soon as i got back after taking a bit of a break uh after the sydney games i hurt my shoulder or tore a labrum uh and ended up having a surgery in the summer of 2001 and then um came back too fast and then i hurt the shoulder again uh had to have another surgery in 2003 uh where i ended up foregoing the world champs and in fact even um in in november of 2003 uh, i after my second surgery i hurt my shoulder again and tore the labrum again but it was too late to have a um, surgery because the you know the trials were only like eight months away yeah. So, uh, me and Dave Saylor, I, I went to train with Dave Saylor for 2004 games, uh, to save the shoulder. Uh, we decided for between December and March that I would not swim. I would all, uh, both arms. I would only use my right arm and I would kick. Mm. Uh, so for four months, I basically didn't use my left arm at all. Wow. Uh, but so, but again, you know, even in, 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 a, in a moment like this, when you're really struggling health wise, I was trying to look for positives and my goal was to be the best, the best kicker in the world. Wow. So, <laughs> she reshifted my focus. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, again, I was fortunate enough to make another Olympic team and have a chance to go to Athens. Yeah. I mean, it really sounds like you're the type of guy that really doesn't look for excuses right no absolutely i never have um absolutely wow was it hard uh, how's your relationship with aaron around that time are you are you comfortable with him kind of jumping ahead of you or does it make you uncomfortable what's going on no i was i was i was definitely pretty comfortable uh listen i mean as a competitor he was just, you know i was upset and and disappointed that uh, he, he he had my 
card, as they say. Mm. Uh, beat me in most of the races in those between those years. Mm. Um, but again, I, I think from my standpoint, I, I, I continue. I, it was a fight uh, for me, an internal fight to stay healthy. I mean, that was my biggest obstacle. It wasn't as much about Aaron as it was about yeah. me trying to stay healthy. And that, that was my biggest challenge here. But again, I, I think as a, as a competitor, you know, I mean, obviously hated to lose, but I also you know, had to appreciate and, and respect what Aaron was accomplishing during those years and young and dominating the sport. And um, I've always had a really good relationship uh, with Aaron. Obviously, there was, you know, that nine-year difference uh, mm. in age, which, mm. which, which is big when you're, you know, when you're 30 and someone, or like 28 and someone is like, 19 right yeah. it's a generational difference mm. so there there's only so much you kind of have in common but certainly um you know well, i was always very supportive of him and we always had a really good positive relationship yeah wow so i mean i'm very conscious of your time and you've given a lot of time i really appreciate that we'll wrap this up here in a second but um couple of last things here so how was the transition for you from being a uh, swimmer into you know uh, a work life and and uh, and then ultimately uh, a husband and a father How, how's the transition for you in that yeah the transition was uh, actually I was, I, I was pretty fortunate you know I um I started to think about what I would want to do while I was still competing um in those early 2000s i was starting to dab in some uh businesses or looking into some businesses started to do some real estate developing um I, I had people like i had close friends around me that were not swimmers they were also immigrants but uh were not swimmers so you could um you so i i fed off of their energy and their pursuit pursues uh, mm-hmm. and um i was able to you know kind of learn from them and i wanted i knew i always wanted I, I i knew that i was entrepreneurial and i wanted to do something uh in business so i was uh preparing myself i was learning about things i was researching i was looking at various opportunities and i could really see myself uh um you know doing what i'm doing now is learn to swim i could see myself running a business like this I, I always enjoyed working with kids um and you know what a perfect thing if i you know i was thinking to myself what a perfect thing if i could put together you know working with kids my my love and appreciation for the sport and swimming and also you know being able to make a living out of it I mean, it's yeah. literally a perfect right a perfect uh, storm yeah. um and then i you know i really pursue that as soon as I retired uh, I had a plan and I had kind of a vision and uh, I was focused on realizing that so mm-hmm. definitely helped help having a plan and a vision and preparing help from that transition because I I've seen it so many times not just with swimmers but other athletes that you know that day comes and it comes for everyone yeah and then you just simply don't know what to do and mm-hmm. you're lost and uh it's it, it that's a that's a scary that 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 is a scary point mm. uh, when you're in your early 30s where realistically your life just starting and yet you 
you know, you feel like you've had all these years of one thing and now you're completely lost. Yeah. So uh, fortunate for sure for me. Well, it generally happens this year, right? It generally happens in the Olympic year. A lot of people go in cycles, the four-year cycle of like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my life to this and see where it ends up. And usually around the Olympic trials or just after the Olympics, you know, a lot of swimmers have come to the realization that this is it. I've got to move on with my life. And so it's, it's certainly one of those years. And I know that you've been in that mentor role for in your role with the LA current, you know, with a lot of our swimmers. So it was, uh, it's cool to see you in that role and, and see people really wanting to talk to you and be mentored by you. And I think that's, I mean, you're, you're a prime example of somebody that could certainly mentor these young kids as well. So, so just last question, do you, are you happy to continue your work with the ISL? Do you want to, do you think it, it's going to be successful? Do you see it being something that's going to take off in the future? Yeah, I, I definitely want to continue to uh, to be part of this. Um, obviously, it's a startup, and like in any startup, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges, and uh, you just need to kind of, kind of stay the course and understand it's a it's a long game. Um, and but at the end of the day, you know what what I draw my energy on and my excitement on is watching our athletes and watching them enjoy the experience and hearing them talk about it. And that's, that's where I've drawn a lot of the energy and excitement and want to continue to, um, to be part of it. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, we're, we're glad you're part of it and certainly want you to continue. You know, Lenny, there are a few people in my life that I've been lucky enough to meet and, and, uh, draw like you said draw energy from and draw inspiration from and and um and feel feel energized when i'm around them and you're certainly one of those people and i'm so glad that you are now in my life and 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 glad i can call you a friend and um i I just want you to know that you certainly inspire me so thank you very much thank you i really appreciate that brad and i appreciate uh getting to know you as well this year and it's been an incredible experience and i look forward for continued growth for both of us. Cool. All right. Thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Thank you again for this. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.